0: RAC's post Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. Junior Dr and Wawajiri woman, Dr Claudia Paul, was only the third Australian Aboriginal woman to be awarded a Rhodes Scholarship. With welcome support from Foundation of Surgery, she's currently studying a PhD at Oxford University. Shortly, she explains how she'd like to see surgical care more equitable to all Australians, including improving the accessibility and healthcare outcomes to Indigenous Australians. First, Claudia tells Chris Ashmore her background and what led to her journey to Oxford.
1: I grew up in Broken Hill in far west New South Wales, and I finished high school there before moving to Adelaide for medical school and then later moved to Newcastle for my internship and residency years. My family still live in Broken Hill, and so I go back to visit them when I can and spent some time there over Christmas before coming back to the cold UK. In Newcastle, I did a Master's in Traumatology, and in 2017 applied for a Rhodes Scholarship, which is what allowed me to move to the UK the following year. So last year I did a Master's in International Health and Tropical Medicine, Which for me was really targeted at learning more about global surgery and involved a research project based in Nairobi in Kenya. And now I've started my PhD. So I'm looking at the use of electrospun nanofibers for soft tissue attachment in musculoskeletal trauma. And more specifically, that's investigating their use in partial rotator cuff tears at the moment.
2: Wow. Well, certainly is a world away or a big difference between Broken Hill and where you are now. Tell us a bit about your PhD and also how did the foundation of surgery assist you with this?
1: So I'm about six months into my PhD and I've just started my preliminary lab work as it were but like you said it's very different from sort of what I was used to back in Broken Hill. so you get a little bit I don't know familiar with the stone buildings around you which is quite strange and nothing I thought I was going to end up doing in the short term. But the Foundation for Surgery has impacted me far beyond my move to the UK. I first learnt about them in my final year of medical school when I applied for a scholarship to attend the annual scientific congress. And that particularly for me was the first time I'd met with a group of surgeons interested in Indigenous health and interested in improving the surgical outcomes for Indigenous people. So that improved my understanding of what was possible in surgical training, allowing me to combine different aspects of what I was interested in with what I wanted to do as a career and also removed a lot of the barriers that I'd previously perceived for entering surgical training. The following year I received a career enhancement scholarship which allowed me to undertake some training courses for pre-set doctors applying for surgical training and attendance at the ASC allowed me to encouraging and influential surgeons who are now mentors for many Indigenous junior doctors interested in specialties and surgical training. So Those experiences really pushed me and other Indigenous junior doctors and medical students into a space where we wouldn't have otherwise had access to, and really opened up the conversation about surgical training and the perceived barriers for us as Indigenous junior doctors. Mm.
2: Has it all been plain sailing, though? Have you faced any challenges along the way?
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting actually most of the challenges that I experienced when I moved to the UK were all things I experienced when I first moved to medical school moving away from family and friends away from your usual support networks into an environment that you previously completely unfamiliar with were probably the two biggest challenges I faced for where I am now but I think with that I've had an incredible amount of support in doing so so that's always quite encouraging but changing those sort of experiences between Broken Hill and moving to the UK is never going to be entirely smooth. So I think another big one for me after I'd moved here was being away from clinical work. I really do miss that aspect of what was my day-to-day life before moving here and then coming back to full-time study. It's also been a nice reminder that career trajectories can change and that that is okay and allowing time to explore other opportunities while I'm over here. So only a few years ago, I wouldn't have been set on sort of meshing surgery and academia in a way that I intend to moving forward. I think I'll end up having quite a different skill set when I do return to full-time clinical work as well.
2: Absolutely. Now, of course, you're passionate about Indigenous health and opportunities for Indigenous medical students and junior doctors. Could you tell us about where you see the the priorities and the hurdles are?
1: Yeah, I think a big one for me is making surgical care more equitable for all Australians, which directly relates to improving the delivery of care to Indigenous populations. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are more likely to have less access to surgical care, and when they do access it, often have poorer outcomes when they do receive the care. Not only should we be encouraging better communication and communicating in an understandable way for all patients, but there's a real underutilisation of the data in which is already collected, measuring these disparities between Indigenous and non-Indigenous patients accessing our healthcare system. For instance, I've read several reports that surgical site infections are five to six times greater for our Indigenous patients. But when these are reported, they don't delve deeper into differences in antibiotic prescribing or skin prep methods or their post-op care. So not being able to further explore where those disparities are, I think, really restricts the way in which we can start making changes to better care for First Nations people. This can also go for preoperative screening assessments, VTE prophylaxis, and determining why there are potentially poorer outcomes for, for Indigenous patients. And these are things we already have data on. It's just a matter of interrogating it that little bit further. In terms of for medical students and junior doctors, I think an obvious priority for me, and I know one that the college has been working on, is encouraging and increasing the number of Indigenous doctors applying for surgical training, One thing I find most exciting, actually, is that in the time that I've been here in the UK, the number of Indigenous doctors getting onto surgical training has more than doubled. And although the numbers are still incredibly low, it does take time to see these changes and it is nice to see the numbers move in the right direction. And with all things, removing the barriers throughout the pipeline is important from Indigenous students considering medical school, from high school, and then supporting students throughout medical training and having open conversations about the requirements for surgical training, I think is really important. There's often a misconception or an expectation that if you're an Indigenous medical student or junior doctor, that you'll go into GP training rather than encouraging diversity amongst all specialty training programs. And so, although I think this has started to change, there is quite a way to go for that.
2: Do you have any advice to surgeons working in remote locations in Australia, Or aspiring to?
1: Yeah, I think it's a difficult one for me um, just because I have not yet gone into surgical training. But I do, however, know how appreciative rural communities are of surgeons. Many remote towns, including Broken Hill, rely on a fly-in, fly-out rotor. And increasing the number of surgeons who choose to work in more rural and remote places in Australia is really difficult. However, as a medical student, my best educational experiences were rural surgical rotations, which in a way I think highlights the impact rural surgeons can have on those considering surgical training and sort of changed the idea about what rural surgical training is. There was more time for teaching, really good case mix. It allows a true generalist training and helps develop a particular skill set in diagnostics with often lower resources. It's a good lifestyle. It allows you to become part of the community, which I think is really important. And it's something that I'll try to achieve during my career rather than just be the person on the other end of the phone. I think rural and remote surgical careers are very much supported by the college as well. There's training posts, um, conferences, and the availability for rural surgical skills course grants for junior doctors that are working on more rural rotations. So I think there's definitely the space for it to develop a lot more. And I would just encourage people to start with a rural rotation from their hospital and then try and bridge out that way.
2: Absolutely. And what's the future for you, Claudia? You've got a career in front of you. Are you going to continue in the UK or come back to Australia?
1: Come back to Australia. That's something I've sort of stuck by since I have been here and quite a lot of people keep saying to my friends, oh, she might stay. But no, I'm quite keen to get back to clinical work in Australia. So I have two more years here finishing my PhD, but I'll come back earlier during the writing up phase and start going back to clinical work and hopefully onto surgical training in the near future.
0: Dr. Claudia Paul. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863